You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Mavericks for Thursday, December 15th. My name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of your hosts. You can follow me at Machine Sports on Twitter, or you can follow the show at Locked On Mavs. If you tweet either one of them, we will uh, respond in some fashion if it's a Mavericks question. Uh, the co-host, as always, um, is at not Jack Kemp on Twitter. His name's Jacob Kemp. He works on Bad Radio Monday through Friday on Sports Radio 13 in the Ticket in Dallas, and does the post-game show uh, on said very station. Like he did last night. Um, how was the uh, how was the halftime last night? Uh, you know what? He got off to a rough start. He was a uh, like a Cirque du Soleil juggler, mm-hmm. and he not a juggalo, not a juggalo, not a gigolo, not, <laughs> and not all even, those would be quite different. Not even just a gigolo. Boo! He was uh, he was a juggler. He was wearing like crazy, like he had a Richie Van Zant headband on. You know those like gypsy, oh, no. those like gypsy head wraps that. Uh, yeah, for sure. So I had one it's of those. Like, it's like it's like the double length of a normal bandana should be. That's the double width. It's basically just a curtain. <laughs> it's just a t-shirt. It's like a window treatment that he wraps <laughs> around his head. So he had that. Always had, like, unstable. Full like kind of circus regalia, um, but he was juggling and he was trying some pretty tough stuff. Um, and he messed up right out of the gate, but I almost feel like juggling is one of those deals where, especially if you're trying, like, he's spinning a basketball on one hand, kicking a basketball up in the air with his right foot, and juggling three basketballs with his right hand. So an amazing man. I'm really not going to just, like, bail if you mess up once or twice. And then he yeah. had ping pong balls that he got at three of them out, put one in his mouth at center court, spit it up into the air at about 30 feet, Put another one in his mouth, spit that one up, and he was catching them like he was almost juggling them with his mouth. It was, it was pretty it's impressive. Incredible. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. Yeah, whenever you have like two to three different actual tricks happening at the same time, like you, if you drop something, you can be like, hey, but still, where did the lighter fluid come from? It's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> there's n- there's no, I I'm not going to dock you for messing up one of them. Yeah, so what I would say is the Mavericks played to the level of their <laughs> – they played to the level of their halftime show last night. Pretty good. Not mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. not good enough to really get it done, but pretty good. Just satisfying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whenever you have a, a giant head wrap on, I'm automatically going to assume you're a balding guy. So just just know that. I assume your hair is trash, and it's trying to evacuate your body. Yeah. Um, but we are the Locked On Mavericks podcast. We're here for you every single day, Monday through Thursday. A little 15, 20-minute snippets for you to enjoy about last night's game or the game coming up or some issue that we find interesting. And we're part of the greater Locked On podcast network. And uh, you can check out Locked On, Locked On Cowboys, Locked On NBA. I know he's been having a lot of coaches, a lot of scouts on, talking about schemes and things like that. Heard one uh, of those the other day. Very good. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, man. It really is. The hardened one. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he's he's uh he's found a nice little uh, niche there with uh, getting scouts that'll talk and coaches that'll talk uh, anonymously, of course. But um, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, I guess let's uh, let me throw around my ideas since uh, I know you had to do an entire post game show last night. 
after what was a uh, the perfect Mavericks game of the season where they competed and actually led in the first half and then found a way to lose a game. That's my that's my optimum formula for <laughs> the rest of this season. Um, but the Mavs lose 95-85 at home. A uh, odd enough, negative 10 on the scoreboard, negative 10 on the rebounding ledger as well. Mavs uh, only had... No, 20. No? 20? Oh, I'm, I did bad math. <laughs> yeah, 20. it's five on the offensive rebound. Uh, Drummond had eight or – he had ten rebounds in the first eight minutes of the game. Damn. Which was partly that, that he was strong. That he was just killing it on the glass, but it was also partly that neither team could buy a bucket. So yeah. there were a lot of opportunity. There was a, a, a high number of rebounds, not a high rebound percentage. Silly me. I didn't count their offensive boards, which yeah. were exactly 10, so that makes 20. <laughs> and really, if you get beat on the boards by 20 and you get doubled up 10-5 uh, on offensive rebounds, first of all, if you get beat by 20, I would think that it was more than 10 or more than 5 mm-hmm. on, on the offensive rebounds. But weirder than that is they only beat the Mavericks by, like, five and second chance points. Yeah. I mean, they're a bad offensive team. Um, and, like, for the – I don't even know how many games we played this year. I don't even care. But for the 20th time this season, um, the Mavericks – the shorthanded Mavericks let a, a team that on paper is probably their equal when at full strength dictate everything about the game. The, the tempo, the style of play. This, I knew this was going to be brutal because of the fashion that the Mavericks choose to play in and because of what the, uh, the Pistons' DNA is. And the Pistons were just better at being brutal. And uh, Mavericks only had two players in double figures. <coughs> Reggie Jackson got right. And apparently death by John Lurer is a real thing. I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and also they were able to force Drummond off the floor with fouls, and then mm-hmm. Aaron Baines came in and had like four points and three boards in four minutes. I mean, he—that's insane. He's still pretty good. Yeah, no, he can play, dude. Like, there's so, nothing wrong with him. He has a place in the league for sure. There, dude. I'm telling you, when Reggie Jackson gets going, mm-hmm. it was only his sixth or seventh game. He had nine of his twenty in the fourth, which is, I think, is the only quarter the Mavericks lost. Yeah. When he gets to the point where he's totally right, they're going to start. They're going to climb the Eastern Conference table. They're going to finish fourth or fifth in the East because he doesn't have to really defend anyone. If he can just be the guy who goes to the rim, mm-hmm. they're going to end up being a maybe like the 15th or 16th best offense, and they'll still be the fifth or sixth best defense, if not higher. Yeah, I think they might be higher. Yeah, like they, like, they, have, they have a really good defensive makeup. He, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, and when, once he gets going, they'll be fine, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and they haven't been playing Bobin either. I don't know if he's injured or just whatever's going on with him, but if they get him up to speed as well, dude, that could be just a powerful <laughs> defensive unit that just smothers you to death. It's not going to be a ton of fun to watch, but they're going to be good. I think I think you're accurate with the fifth or sixth seed maybe uh, in the East, and they're going to – they're going to – there's – they're only going to get better offensively because they can't get worse. And if Reggie Jackson hits his stride, uh, like they did in the third quarter, um, heading into the fourth when they went on a 27-5 to run uh, and just had had enough of the Mavericks. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Well, let's get to uh, something of uh, more interest in terms of moving forward. I thought it would be uh, kind of fun to rank the Dallas Mavericks assets uh, that are currently on the roster. 
because we have talked a lot about trades, a lot about what you want to keep, a lot about what the the worth is, a lot about what a team would want for said player, um, what would be a decent return. So I ranked basically everybody, every pick, and Rick Carlisle's rights. Um, I didn't put Dirk on the list. So uh, for obvious reasons, I think. Um, Not only do I not think he wants to go anywhere and they wouldn't even move him anywhere, but the injury thing is just, if it was just a normal player, (laughs) your normal 37-year-old, I think the injuries would prohibit it. at this moment and make him make his ranking just seem silly. So I guess I'll start, uh, let's start at the top because, uh, there's three, three different assets in here that I would consider a, a tier one asset in terms of you can start a trade around these, uh, these three assets. The number one, what I ranked number one Mavericks asset this season um, and heading into, I guess it would be April or, or May, um, is this year's first-round pick. I couldn't agree more. So if we're going 1-10, to 10, you have to go that way because yeah. uh, even though Barnes is a potential all-star who can fit on a lot of different teams if he's used right, who is only 24, he's also making $24 million a year. Yeah, you got to match that. And right. there aren't that many just – God awful contracts running around the NBA anymore of dudes that are making like 15 plus that you just want to shed yourself of and matching that salary is going to take a chunk out of your side like it's going to require a pound of flesh so even if you're waving it at the end of the year it means you're not getting value back yeah. um, no one's going to give you like a first for Harrison Barnes and 24 mil I mean you actually you probably could get that but that's not value at all Right. Uh, the drop-off in the NBA draft after, like, pick five to eight is usually tremendous, and that's why if you're picking at three, uh, I mean, that's the gold. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially no, that's, that's in, this, cream. in this draft, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as we get further into it, there might be four dudes that are down in there once you start talking about Josh Jackson Lonzo Ball. Uh, add that on top of the two dudes we've already looked at a little bit. But we'll dive into that pretty heavily uh, coming uh, up in the rest of the season. Number two asset, you mentioned him. Uh, Harrison Barnes is the number two asset that the Mavs own at this exact moment that could be moved or um, could start a trade around. And I kind of hesitated. I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think they've even, um, you know, broached that that section of the notebook quite yet but uh he's played so well and if you put him on a different team I don't know if he's the same dude I have no idea but the salary is hard to match and a first round pick is just so much more valuable at this moment because of the the potential the projecting forward that other GMs would do um and something you simply couldn't do with Harrison Barnes necessarily because if he goes to another team, does he disappear into the void again as he did in Golden State? Um, now, on I'm, one hand, I feel like even if he's on another team in a couple of years, uh, like this experience has been good enough to, for him from a mental confidence psychology standpoint. Harrison Barnes isn't going back to the Harrison Barnes of old. 
I mean, unless he's on a team that literally has three other NBA first or second team play, like all NBA players. But like, if Harrison Barnes went to, uh, I don't know, name any team outside of the top four in the NBA, he mm-hmm. would still be the guy he is right now. This this yeah. is this is who he can be if he's getting his shots and able to operate. Yeah, I completely agree. And then the last guy that I put as a uh, a tier one asset, um, in terms of you can start to build a trade around is uh, I put Wesley Matthews in there um, simply because of the way he's played. Um, that $17 million this year isn't uh, in for, in into the future two more years. I don't think is that insane to where someone couldn't get within, you know, the 25% of, uh, of trade matching salaries with just some spare parts. Um, and, la- I mean, I know last night he sucked. I know he's 0 for 5 from 3, and this might be <laughs> – one of his valleys, which are super fun, which uh, makes you, know you just question your whole life. You did hear that his uh, shoulder was wrapped after the game, and he said that the soreness just caught up to him. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. He's just shooting too damn much. <laughs> Dude, he's playing a um, ton of minutes, and he's shooting more than he ever has in his life. Yeah. Um, but I think you could start a trade. I don't know if it's – I don't know what kind of return you get, but I think you could start building a bridge to the future with a trade around Wes Matthews. And we talked the other day. I'm not sure if I even want to do that uh, at this moment because filling all these different spots in one or two off seasons seems like an insurmountable job. But that's where Tier 1 ends for me. Um, and then we get into what I would co- consider Tier 2 assets, which the fourth highest-ranked asset on the, uh, on the Mavs uh, ledger for me is next year's first-round pick. Uh, because I assume it's going to be – I don't think – it might not be top five, mm-hmm. but it might be five to 13. might be lottery. might for sure get you in the lottery, uh, depending on what happens this off season. And I think if people look at it realistically, they'd say, yeah, that's probably the 10th overall pick next year. And it kind of got down to do I think that 10th overall pick is more valuable than Andrew Bogut? And is that 10th overall pick next year more valuable than Darren Williams? Uh, it's more valuable than both, yes. Yeah. So four was next year's first-round pick. Five, I have Bogut, um, who is very tradable. Um, it's just I don't know exactly what you're getting back for it. I don't know. It's just he and Darren both need to be moved for something. I don't know what you can convince another team that they're willing to part with. Um, and I also put in this tier two list, uh, Rick Carlisle, because that seems more valuable to me than the rest of these assets, <laughs> like the ability to, for Rick Carlisle to coach your team. And you just have to give another team like a late first or a second round pick. The other team being the Mavericks in this case. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, he might be more val to me. He's above Bogut and, uh, and D will. Wow. Okay. Just because, I mean, those guys, they're, they only have present value. Yeah, that's true. Very and true. And if I am going to be a team that is going to be trying to build, now part of it would be, does he want to be on a team on a different team? Does he want to be on a team? Like when Doc made it clear, I'm not here for this. Yeah. If he made it clear, I don't want to be here for this, then he, he loses some value to you, almost all of his value to you. Mm-hmm. You could still get something for him, but the other team would just know that he had to go. And yeah, I want him here for five years from now. Um, yep. So if he wants to be here for five years from now, then to me, he's way more valuable 
than another five months of Bogut or D Will. For sure. But I yeah. agree that those those two guys are right after him. Yeah. So that tier two this next year's first, Bogut, Darren, and Rick. Um and then we get into tier three guys, which are tier three guys and tier three assets, which I think would just be really simple uh supplements to a trade built around one of the you know most likely around a tier one guy but i could see something like a uh a bogut finney smith or something like that you know what i mean like there there could be a tier two and a tier three combination uh but most likely trades start with a tier one type dude and then you start filling in around the the edges but to start tier three i have uh this year's second round pick because it's probably going to be like 35th overall Mm -hmm. um and then the ninth best asset that the Mavericks own, I put Dorian Finney-Smith above Dwight Powell, above Seth Curry, above Justin Anderson, and above J.J. Barea. Um, because of how raw he is, what he's done so early in his career and starting as an undrafted free agent, and his number. I mean, none of his stuff is guaranteed, I don't think. <laughs> Um, they have his rights, I think, for the next, uh, let's see, where did Finney Smith go? One, two, two years after this one. And 1920, he's going to be a restricted free agent. And he's only making just 20, no, 2020. 2020, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, eh. And then uh, he's, he's barely making, uh, <laughs> get on the talkie. Um, <laughs> he's barely making over a million in that third year. Uh, so I just thought that was more valuable than... Um, the $9 million that Dwight Powell's making or the short term of Seth Curry. Um, and Justin Anderson, his regression has really screwed up this whole rankings thing. <laughs> yeah, and it um, might be too early to tell for sure on him, but I would agree that I would rank Finney Smith ahead. I think that I'm largely basing that off of he had a better college career yeah, than Anderson did. And he's a little bit older, but in this case, that's not that's not a huge concern for me. So I would put him above... And it doesn't. I'm not like out on the idea of Anderson being a player here. I just no. And if it's a rank, and it's not like it's a huge discrepancy between the two. I just for now, Vinny mm-hmm. Smith is better in college. Uh, yep. Showed more in the NBA uh, over this little stretch of this season, anyways, than Anderson. So I think you got to go with it. But I, I tell you what, though, if you get a full season where Curry is able to play 25 minutes, mm-hmm. uh. At the end of the year, he's probably going to be ahead of both those guys. Yeah, that's like, that's the that's the tricky part. He may only be he's only shooting thirty two percent from three right now, but I would still almost bet the house that he ends up a, north of thirty six from three this year. Yeah, and if you have a guy who can shoot north of thirty six, and he's that you know he's not he won't be young, but he it makes no money next year. Mm-hmm. He might be more valuable than either one of those guys. Yeah, and it's it's kind of tricky whenever I did this to not let my um, my list of who I want to be here, right? And who and who I want to uh, build around, uh, not bleed into who's the best asset that outside teams would look at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can't help but use your own perception of the player, but then you're trying to um, you know get some kind of accumulation of what other teams would would be interested in moving. You know something that they value for. So I, I think that's totally possible. Um, and I slid J.J. Bray in there at 13th because I think some team might have a second unit problem and they just need somebody to go in there and raise hell on a pick and roll. And then uh, next year's second round pick slides in there at 14. And then the rest is – I don't even know what you do with these guys. I don't consider them real assets. They're just kind of existing there. They might be throw-ins for 
matching salary or if some other team likes them. And that's Devin Harris, A.J. Hammonds, and Salah Mejri to round out uh, the Mavericks' S- assets. Well, um, to me, what that reinforces is if they don't hit on the pick, mm-hmm. whether it's in a trade that gets you better right now or whether it's in a a draft pick that a guy the guy that shows you something pretty quickly, then it will be the biggest disappointment of my time watching this team. And I and I mean even going to the finals and losing. Mm-hmm. I mean not being able to you know swing and hit in free agency because this is in those times you still especially the finals you were still going to be good after that. In the uh, misses in free agency you still ended up signing something. After that, it's not like if you miss in free agency, it's like, well, or excuse me, you miss on a draft pick that's that high. The only, the only like compensatory thing for that is to just try it again the next year because you sucked so bad you're still up there. Right. Like that's the, that's nothing like getting uh, Monte Ellis when you missed out on, uh, on whoever, you know, that's, that's, that's awful. Yeah. It's not a close approximation to what your, what your second option would be. Um, it's just a swing and a miss. It's a strikeout. It's not a flyout. Um, right. And after doing this, I realized that the uh, the Mavericks' little uh, little war chest that they put together uh, kind of looks like your your college fridge. It's just like all condiments. It's just you know you got some Chick Fil A sauce from like a year ago in there. <laughs> you got some Frank's Red Hot hidden somewhere on the top shelf. It's getting crusty on the lid. Like this yeah. isn't great. This ain't great. <laughs> but but there is you, a chance. There is a chance, and there's a very little narrow path to where you hit on this first-round pick, you add, take a chance on some kind of big, uh, uh, just big, like a four or a five, um, like we've mentioned Nerlens multiple times, and then you kind of have jump-started your rebuild, and next year's first-round pick doesn't even look as valuable. Um, so there you go. Thought that'd be an interesting little exercise for everyone. Uh, next game is tomorrow night, late as balls, 9.30 in Utah, who just beat the pants off the Thunder last night. I actually worked that game, um, and it was kind of fascinating to see Utah just drill the Thunder without uh, – Thunder didn't have Oladipo, but Utah didn't have um, George Hill, so uh, all's fair in, uh, in Western Conference basketball. But uh, we'll be with you uh, next Monday. We'll probably break down a couple games and find something else uh, interesting to talk about. So uh, thank you for listening. And, Jacob, thank you for your time. Good times, man. I'll see you. All right. Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls. Plus, one day only, tomorrow, take 50% off all Old Navy active at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. Active offer 1020 excludes in-store clearance.